welcome back. On this episode, I am going to enlighten you on what it means to have a personality disorder, and then I will touch ever so gently on a couple disorders. So, think of a personality disorder as the federal government, okay? So, to have a personality disorder, you have these general, you meet general criteria for how it impedes on your life, okay? And then for each personality disorder, such as bipolar or narcissism or OCPD, each one of those would be more like a local government where they have much more specific qualifiers to narrow down what you actually have. Hope that makes sense. So for a, oh, this is from uh, the DSM-5 and the criteria for a personality disorder was revised, this, the copy I'm looking at, there may have been more recent ones, but the one I found, this is revised June of 2011. Okay. I'm just going to read it verbatim. It's going to be real fucking boring, so just hang in there. The essential features of a personality disorder are impairments in personality, self and interpersonal, functioning in the presence of pathological personality traits. Whatever that fucking means. To diagnose a personality disorder, the following criteria must be met. And we have A, B, C, D, and E. A is a significant impairment in self, which is further defined as identity or self-direction, and interpersonal empathy or intimacy functioning. So you have to have impairments in your self-identity. Quit. Quit. Your self-identity, your self-direction, and then as well as interpersonal things such as your empathy and intimacy. And those are further defined later on. I wish they would define them here, you know, from the jump, but I'm not I'm not the expert. I fucking guess. Okay, B. One or more pathological personality trait domains or facets. When I first read this, that's all that says for B. That's all that's listed. Which I'm just like, what the fuck does that mean? Well, I actually looked at the document and I found it. I don't know why it's not all together. But this is much further in. It further defines personality disorder traits specified. Um, sorry if you can hear my washer going crazy in the background. Um, one or more pathological personality trait domains or specific trait facets within domains considering all of the following domains. God, this shit is dense. BT dubs. But it's going to get much more interesting. So just hang in there with me. Um, all the following domains including... 1. Negative affectivity. 2. Detachment. 3. Antagonism. 4. Disinhibition versus compulsivity. And 5. Psychoticism. I'm not going to lie to you. That's... I don't fully understand what they're saying there. I would have to talk to someone that's smarter than me. Okay, moving on. C... Criterion C for personality disorder. The impairments in personality function, functioning 
and the individual's personality trait expression are relatively stable across time and consistent across situations. So I had more issues with this, actually. It says it needs to be relatively stable across time. How often is stable relatively stable? And consistent across situations, how, how often is consistent? I just have a lot of questions. D, the impairments in personality functioning in the individual's personality trait expression are not better understood as normative for the individual's developmental stage or socio-cultural environment, aka their behaviors couldn't be better understood as them being like a rebellious teenager or something that's normal for for their culture. So like if someone from Russia moved to America and they were like hyper aggressive and you know all those things that Russians are that wouldn't necessarily mean they automatically have a personality disorder. It could just be because they come from a drastically different culture. Okay, E. The impairments in personality functioning and the individual's personality trait expression are not solely due to the direct physio- physiological effects of a substance, um, such as uh, drugs or medication, or a medical condition such as a, a TBI or severe head trauma. So these people aren't acting the way they're acting because of drugs, medication, or a bump on the head. I'm going to jump right into um, borderline personality disorder, or BPD. A lot of people think BPD is bipolar. It's borderline. And I want to start here because last week, last episode, I said something that was incorrect. I said that attention-seeking behaviors was an actual qualifier for the disorder, Um so what I what I was saying was these people that are borderline, they have attention seeking behaviors. That's part of the symptoms, but that's incorrect, and I'll talk about that more a little later on and kind of, I'll tell you what I confused for attention seeking, and to be fair, we do have plenty of people that admit into the hospital and they are attention seeking. They're drug seeking. Or they're just lying so they have a place to sleep or, you know, something like that. There's a lot of reasons why people come into the psych hospital. Sadly, I think there are too many ulterior motives. But we'll talk about that later. Okay, so... Borderline... This section of the DSM-5 is very in-depth, very descriptive, and it's going to be boring unless you're into this. So, if you're a glutton for torture, stay tuned, because I'm about to do it. For borderline, there is A, B, C, D, E, but among those are subsections, so... I'll try to stay as organized as I can. A. Significant impairments in personality functioning manifest by 1. Impairments in self-functioning. And impairments in self-functioning can come from either A. Identity, 
or B, self-direction. Identity is defined as markedly impoverished, poorly developed, or unstable self-image, often associated with excessive self-criticism, chronic feelings of emptiness, and dissociative states when under stress. So, markedly impoverished, I'm 98% sure that means they don't dress themselves well, they don't groom themselves, they look impoverished. Surely that's correct. Poorly developed or unstable self-image, these people don't know who they are, they don't have a consistent representation of themselves, it kind of fluctuates. I even see it like conform to those around them. But I mean, we all do that, but this is, it's a pretty drastic, um, it's a good bit. Often associated with excessive self-criticism, they're very hard on themselves, chronic empties, chronic feelings of emptiness, which is just really sad when you think about that, and dissociative states under stress. But I mean, who, right? Who doesn't? <laughs> Ye who does not dissociate under a state of stress shall cast the first stone. Um, B is self-direction and instability in goals, aspirations, values, or career plans. So how I see this from my point of view, my little periscope into the underbelly of the psychotic and just unstable population, how I see this playing out is these people, they either, either or, just don't have goals, they have no drive to do anything, or they get a bunch of wild hair ideas and they just never follow through, or they're totally unrealistic, and they just give up, okay? Um, the second criterion is impairments in interpersonal functioning, which can be come from an impairment in their empathy or their intimacy. So these were things that were stated under the personality disorder qualifiers, and I was bitching about how they weren't further defined there, but they are further defined here. Empathy is defined as a compromised ability to recognize the feelings and needs of others associated with interpersonal hypersensitivity and perceptions of others selectively biased toward negative attributes or vulnerabilities. Um, intimacy is intense, unstable, and conflicted close relationships marked by mistrust, neediness, and anxious preoccupation with real or imagined abandonment. I love that part. Real or imagined abandonment. That just, that sounds so... Like, they, whoever wrote this was just throwing shade, but it's so true. Close relationships often viewed in extremes of idealization and devaluation and alternating between over-involvement and withdrawal. <sighs> A lot of hard-hitting stuff here. Let's go back to empathy and break it down. Compromised ability to recognize the feelings and needs of others associated with interpersonal hypersensitivity. So, essentially, these people have so much inner turmoil and um, they're prone to feel slighted or insulted 
that it keeps them from seeing how others are affected or how others feel or their needs. There's, they're, you could say they're selfish. They are selfish. But um, this is where I thought, this is what I mistook for attention seeking was where it says prone to feel slighted or insulted because another, something they do is they just take, it's always all about them. And don't get me wrong, borderlines are some of my favorite people because when, when they're in a good mood, they're lit as fuck and they're super fun. But when they're in the bad mood, they're like fucking middle schoolers. It's, so they're either really awesome or just really difficult to be around. But uh, this is what I mistook for attention-seeking. When in reality, if you're a true borderline, because of your own trauma or what have you, you're insecure, so you are more likely to feel like something was coming at you. Like it was it was a personal take on you. Um, and then I like the next part too. Perceptions of others selectively biased toward negative attributes of vulnerabilities. So if you have a borderline in your life, and you probs do, you may notice that they're very controlling and they nitpick at you, and it's because they have on a lens of seeing the bad. They see your weaknesses, they see your vulnerabilities, like they just, that's how they see the world. So yeah, it's shitty and it fucking sucks, but until they address their issues, and work on themselves, they're going to more than likely have this lens of negativity and that's just how it's going to be until they decide to do something about it. This is also why, probably, I'm not an expert, but you know how I like to talk shit. This is also probably why they don't really have positive interactions with other people or with you. So if you have a borderline in your life and... The conversation is always negative toward about you or there's like uh, passive aggressive comments or straight up insults at you. If all you see is negative, then all you have to talk about is negative. Whereas people without this disorder, um, they can see positive and negative in people and they can, you know, hopefully they have good judgment to only talk to other people about the positive things or bring up the negative things in an appropriate manner. But these people do not. Okay? Moving on to intimacy. Intense, unstable, and conflicted close relationships marked by mistrust, neediness, and anxious preoccupation with real or imagined abandonment. That's just... Intense, unstable relationships is their bread and butter. They are best fucking friends with people. When we have a group on, when we have a group of people that have, this is their impairment, the intimacy impairment, these people will squad up so hard on the unit. They will have a little high school clique and they will huddle up all the time and then like three days later something minor happened and there's 
a bunch of drama and they don't like each other anymore or they don't like one or two people and they like ostracize them this is when they're not fun to be around um marked by mistrust neediness and anxious preoccupation with real or imagined abandonment god that's just such a good that's such a good part i want to know who wrote that their mistrust and neediness that's just the mistrust i guess how i see that is these people expect to be done wrong so <clears throat> they're almost manifesting their own issues i mean i would argue that most of us manifest our own issues however you want to define manifest but they just they have trust issues so they expect to be done wrong by people and that gives them an excuse to bail on the relationship neediness these people need so much validation um because they feel empty and they're insecure for whatever reason i'm not saying they choose to be this way it's probably because they're fucking who god knows what as a kid or as a anything um anxious preoccupation with real or imagined abandonment so maybe they are being abandoned or maybe they were abandoned as a child or in all of their relationships and you know <clears throat> one one text that takes the other person too long to reply they may feel like they've been abandoned all over again close relationships often viewed in extremes of ideation and devaluation so what that means is like they meet someone and everything's fucking great about them they love this this and this about them they look up to them so much they love them so much they admire all these things about them and then boom devaluation this person is negative, negative, negative. I was so wrong about this, this, this. And that's where, you know, mistrust and that betrayal can kind of swing back in. And then alternating between over-involvement and withdrawal. So kind of, well, not kind of, in the same, at the same pace of this idealization and devaluation, they're, they're either buddy buddy and like up each other's butts all the time over involved or they want nothing to do with the other person okay damn moving on to b pathological personality traits in the following domains so there are one three of these which are negative affectivity disinhibition, and antagonism. And each of those have subsections, so. If you thought we were done, you were wrong, bitch. Okay, negative affectivity is characterized by A, emotional liability, and, no, not and, comma, anxiousness, separation, insecurity, and depressivity. So if you have a negative affect, it is either because you're emotionally label, labile, uh, anxious, you have separation and security, or depressivity. And I'm going to define those two. Emotional liability is unstable emotional experiences and frequent mood changes. Emotions that are easily aroused, intense, and or out of proportion to events and circumstances. 
So these people are, uh, when they're up and being fun and, you know, manic, they, they overreact things. This, when, if it's a positive emotion and it's easily aroused, that's, I like having that in my group because it's like a, you know, it's like when everyone at the party is starting to get buzzed and everyone's feeling good and you're just like in that sweet spot. That's what it's like. It's people are hype. But if it's negative, then they have, you know, a really short fuse or they're just like snappy at each other. And then of course, uh, they're out of proportion to the events and circumstances. So they're just drama queens. However, it's However it is, positive or negative, they're, they're just drama queens. Um, anxiousness is defined as intense feelings of nervousness, tenseness, or panic, often in reaction to interpersonal stresses, worry about the negative effects of past unpleasant experiences, and the future of negative possibilities, and future negative possibilities, feeling fearful, apprehensive, or threatened by uncertainty, fears of falling apart or losing control. And we all know what anxiousness is, so I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna go into that, because we all know. Separation and, separation insecurity is a fear of rejection by and or separation from significant others. So you're afraid of rejection by your significant others, or separation from significant others. Associated with fears of excessive dependency and complete loss of autonomy. And that part hits home for me. Because you girls got a fear of excessive dependency and complete loss of autonomy. So what that is saying is... Because you're afraid of being too dependent on someone and losing sight of yourself... Because of that... You're afraid of rejection or separation from others. That sounds kind of counterintuitive, but if you let yourself, it makes sense. Um, And then depressivity is defined as frequent feelings of being down, miserable, and or hopeless, difficulty recovering from such moods, pessimism about the future, pervasive shame, feeling of inferior self-worth, thoughts of suicide, and suicidal behavior. And we see a lot of that in the borderlines. A lot of self-harm or SI. Suicidal ideation. Okay, so that was... Those were all for negative affectivity. Which is kind of like your body language and facial expression out into the world. That's what an affect is. Moving on to... Two. So, one and two are the personality traits, the pathological personality traits. I hope you guys are following along okay. This shit is dense. Two is disinhibition. Disinhibition can be characterized by A, impulsivity, B, risk-taking, or that's it. There's no C. Impulsivity is acting on the spur of the moment in response to immediate stimuli. Acting on a momentary basis without a plan or consideration of outcomes. No. No foresight 
You just fucking do what you want to do. Also, like a night out drinking. Like, you get that sweet spot and you're just doing shit. You're not thinking about it. Or is that just me? Who knows? Um, Difficulty establishing or following plans. A sense of urgency and self-harming behavior under emotional distress. Again, we see a lot of the self-harm. Disinhibition can also be characterized by risk-taking. Engagement in dangerous, risky, and potentially self-damaging activities. Unnecessarily and without regard to consequences. Lack of concern for one's limitations and denial of the reality of personal danger. So again, self-harm could come in here because it's definitely a risk. Um, Without regard to consequences, again, there's no foresight. These people are just doing things. They're doing it because it sounds cool. They're doing it because they want to look cool. They're doing it because they just had the idea and that's, they don't need any further reasoning. They just thought of it, so they're going to do it. I like this part. The lack of concern for one's limitations and denial of the reality of personal danger. Every now and then, you'll get this dude on the unit who's trying to flex on all the girls and there's definitely a lack of concern for one's limitations you know how it goes boys trying to show off and then of course the denial of reality of personal danger they think they're indestructible um three is antagonism which is defined by only hostility Which is the persistent or frequent angry feelings, anger or irritability in response to minor slights and insults. So, these people fucking blow up. Okay. And then all personality orders have these qualifiers, C, D, and E. Which basically say that C says these traits are stable across time and consistent and across situations so this is a there's a pattern of these behaviors and it doesn't seem to fluctuate a whole lot d basically says this isn't better understood because of their developmental stage you know a rebellious teenager or their culture and e says that it's not because of drug abuse medication or head injuries or something like that and that's that's uh, borderline, people. That is borderline. I hope you enjoyed it. One of my faves. Top three. Easily. But we have so many more to go. So you guys can all decide for yourself what your favorite is. Okay, next we're going to do narcissistic personality disorder. NPD. Um, this one's much shorter. But also one of my faves. I have a weird fixation to understanding narcissists because I dated one. And if you chew on that, we're going to go round and round, buddy. I dated a narcissist. And once I came out the other side, I was truly fascinated by how he worked and how he did all of his things. And that's actually what got me interested in um, psych. So, thanks, asshole, for the career. 
to diagnose narcissistic personality disorder, the following criteria must be met. Again, we have A, B, C, D, E. But really only A, B, because remember C, D, and E are the cultural... It's not because of their culture, it's not because of drug abuse, all that shit. Okay. A. Significant impairments in personality functioning manifest by 1. Impairments in self-functioning. Self-functioning is, again, identity or self-direction. Um, but the definitions are a little different for narcissism. Because you have the same issues, which is an issue with your identity or an issue with your self-direction. But it comes, it blooms in a different way. For identity, excessive reference to others for self-definition and self-esteem regulation. Exaggerated self-appraisal may be inflated or deflated or vacillate. Not sure I'm saying that right. Or vacillate between extremes. Emotional regulation mirrors fluctuations in self-esteem. Let's just read that again for a good measure, because that's some good shit. Excessive reference to others for self-definition and self-esteem regulation. You know, a lot of people seem to think that narcissists have a high self-esteem. When really... They don't think much of themselves at all. And they depend on you, the viewers, just like PBS, to keep them going, to keep that positive self-image. Their self-image and esteem and confidence is like a mirror before them. They see themselves, but not as they are and it's ready to shatter any minute. They're depending on you to keep them going. They're compensating for this low self-esteem, probably from childhood abuse, neglect, or various traumas. And then they have the exaggerated self-appraisal which can go between extremes. Inflated, defla- deflated. And again, that's one of those things where they're just trying to put it out there. Like, they're putting it before them and they're chasing after it, if that makes sense. They're putting out this greatness, and then, but they're constantly in a chase to catch it. <clears throat> and then their emotional regulation mirrors the fluctuations in their self-esteem. So if they're feeling great, that's probably when they're doing okay with their emotional regulation. But if they're starting to question themselves, or they're feeling down or bad, or they get in touch with their real self-esteem, then that's when they can become more volatile. B is self-direction. Goal setting is based on gaining approval from others. Personal standards are unreasonably high in order to see if oneself is exceptional or too low based on a sense of entitlement, often unaware of own motivations. This shit slap so hard goal setting is based on gaining approval from others so 
essentially all they're doing in life is to impress others and to get their approval so that they feel better about themselves. It's really fucking sad. And it has to be a nightmare. You know, imagine that's your life. Personal standards are unreasonably high in order to see if oneself is exceptional or too low based on a sense of entitlement. So maybe they're setting it really high so that they can challenge themselves and if they reach it then they can put out that exaggerated self-appraisal or too low so they don't have to try so hard and they it'll just like happen and they'll be like yeah I fucking deserve that and then often unaware of their own motivations you know if you have a true disorder that's just how you fucking work until you can acknowledge it and recognize it and work on it you probably are unaware okay um Then they have the impairments in their interpersonal functioning, which can happen through either A, empathy, or B, intimacy. Again, empathy and intimacy were also seen in borderline, but they have different definitions here because these wretched flowers bloom in a different light. Empathy. Impaired ability to recognize or identify with the feelings feelings and needs of others. Excessively attuned to reactions of others, but only if perceived as relevant to self. LOL. I love that. Over or underestimate of own effect on others. So, from the top. An impaired ability to recognize or identify with the feelings or needs of others. They just don't care. They don't see anything but outside of themselves or within the, the domino effect of them. Excessively attuned to reactions of others. Um, so narcissists are really charming. And in my experience, the narcissists I know, they, they are attuned to others because they need to pick up on their reactions so that they know how to feel about themselves. So if I'm interacting with a narcissist, they're going to be especially attuned to how I react to whatever because... They want to know, at the end of the day, my opinion of them and my thoughts on them. So they're really tuned into that. Um, but again, they're not going to, let's say, let's say I'm dating a narcissist and I'm having a bad day and I'm like venting to them about it. If it's not relevant to them, they don't care. If you're interacting with a coworker that's a narcissist and you're, you're having a really shitty day, they're not going to care or tune in any longer once they realize that it's not relevant to them. Over or underestimate of own effect on others. So they may think that everyone thinks about them 24-7 and everything they do impacts others or they may not realize how their behaviors are affecting others. It can be positive or negative. Um, another impairment in interpersonal functioning is the intimacy. Relationships largely superficial and exist to self, to serve self-esteem regulation, mutually constrained by little genuine interest in others' experiences and predominance of a need for personal gain. Let's break that one down. Relationships largely superficial and exist to serve self-esteem regulation. So they keep their, you know, friendships 
um, familiar relationships, familial relationships, or even intimate relationships to kind of uphold their image and keep them feeling good about themselves or at least trying. Um, a selfish move. Uh, mutually constrained by little genuine interest in others' experience experiences, so they don't give a fuck about other people's experiences. And predominance of a need for personal gain. So they're obsessed with personal gain. They're obsessed with what can be done for them. Um, and then they need B, the pathological personality traits, which are one, antagonism. Oh, just antagonism. And that is characterized by A, grandiosity, or B, attention-seeking. So here is the attention-seeking. It is a real qualifier, just not for bipolar. Grandiosity is feelings of entitlement, either overt or or covert, so like obvious or not obvious. Self-centeredness, firmly holding to the belief that one is better than others and condescending toward others. So they feel like... They deserve whatever, whether that is outward and blatant or kind of sly. And B, attention-seeking. Excessive attempts to attract and be the focus of the attention of others. Admiration-seeking. God, that, that just is everything that I have seen in, in Narcissus. Excessive attempts to attract and be the focus of attention for others. Whether that is always changing the topic to them, always making a joke, always like popping in on a conversation to say something, or you know, anything to get a laugh or some attention or like a compliment or fucking anything. Anything to help with that self esteem. And then C, D, and E, which are you know, these things are stable across time and situations, not because of developmental stage or culture, and not because of drug abuse or head trauma. These people are organically flawed. Is that appropriate? Should I say that? Whatever, I fucking did. This is just because of, not just because of, but these things happen because of What fucking ever. Childhood shit. Mostly. But God. I had no idea. I haven't looked at the DSM-5 since I was in college. I mean, I have here and there, but I haven't, like, really looked at it. There's so much. But I'm loving it. And I'm gonna keep doing this. Okay. That's it for NPD. hope you guys enjoyed me learning as you learn and pretending I already knew it. Join me next time for I don't know what and hopefully you'll walk away not have wasted your time. I look forward to it. I love you all so much. Please don't stalk me. Please don't harass me. I have so so many suitors already i just don't have the time so just let's just keep it profesh 
here on the podcast. This is Behind the Curtain. I'm Raina Blake, and thanks for letting me talk shit. Hello, and welcome back to Behind the Curtain. One of the purposes of this whole pursuit is to give you a peek inside the world of a psychiatric hospital, but also to give you a peek inside my life and how my career affects my life personally. That's what I'm here to talk to you about today. So this past weekend, I was out with some friends and family and there there was drinking and there was one person who they're they're pretty intrusive as is but when they drink it's it's only worse and i don't like that shit because i am in a perpetual state of paranoia that people that interact with me have selfish or bad intentions and motives And that stems from my own bad experiences and traumas. But when someone is very clearly interacting with me for selfish or maleficent reasons, it really fucks me up. Because it's like just reinforcing all these fears that I I try to... I try to uh, keep under control and, you know, talk myself down from because a lot of the times it's just me and I'm just being paranoid. But there are a few there are a few times where it's actually happening and it's a very it can make me feel a lot of things, you know. I can feel it's mostly like violation, I feel violated or very exposed. I feel manipulated. I feel, you know, scared, angry. It kind of just depends on the whole context. So when I'm at work, I have to keep a guard up. I have to be aware of my surroundings. I have to be aware of big things, big details, and little details, you know, is this person's body language suggesting they're about to explode? Is the nature of this conversation in order to split staff, aka, like, if a patient asks one staff member for something and they say no, and then they go to another staff member expecting a different answer, Like, you have to be aware of all those things in order to, one, provide a consistent environment for these people to learn real-world functioning from, or to, two, just not be taken advantage of. You know, several reasons you want to do those things. So anyway, when I'm at work, I'm constantly in that state of mind, which for me is fine because I expect it when I go to work. I know that's what I'm signing up for. I know that's just the nature of it. 
So whenever those boundaries are violated or the manipulation happens at work, you know, that's just another day in the office and it's fine. But it's really difficult to switch out of that into your personal life once you clock out. And it's, I just feel like I see these things so much clearer than the common folk. Like, if I go out and I am watching other people interact with each other or interact with me, very often I see just these giant red flags in how people behave and communicate with each other of just, well, that's not healthy. What you're doing is not healthy or what you're doing is, um, that's, that's a sign of an instability or insecurity within you. And I don't, I don't like that I can't shake that sometimes because I feel like I'm judging people and I, I am judging people if they're not my patients, then I'm judging them. And I don't like that, but it's really difficult to fight because it's a it's a um, self-defense thing. So it's, it's nearly an instinct at this point, and it's really difficult to combat. So when it is happening with people that I know and love and spend real time with, when I see those behaviors, it's it's a lot of things. It's infuriating. It's heartbreaking. It's really exhausting. And it just... So, for the common people, let's say you're interacting with someone that has these unhealthy behaviors, you, you're probably exhausted by the relationship too, or just wondering why they have to be so difficult or whatever, however they're behaving. And it's, it's not that you don't notice it, you just don't... I, see, here I am judging again. I just... I can see what's going on. And I'm not always correct, I'm sure. But I'm at least in a ballpark of intentions and... I just see poor boundaries in a lot of people and um, really controlling and compulsive behaviors in people. And I'm sure 80 to 90, maybe more, maybe less percentage of the time, the people behaving this way aren't aware of it or aren't meaning to. It's just how they, it's the only way they know how to function. Which is also frustrating. Because it's like, how do you how do you talk to that person about their behaviors? How do you, if that's just their life and their baseline functioning, and it's intruding on you, if there's just literally no understanding of healthy boundaries on their part, how do you how do you approach that? And you know, as at work, I could just be like, hey. Thomas, you're being really controlling right now, or your behavior is really controlling. Um, why why do you feel the need to be that way, blah, blah, blah. But I'm a third party, and they came here for help, or we're forced to come here for help, so it's, it's a lot simpler conversation to have 
in my opinion, in that scenario. But when it's someone in your personal life, it's really difficult because if it's not being directed towards you, then it's not your place to say anything. Probably. And if it is directed towards you, I don't... It's hard for me to figure out how to breach... Broach? Breach? Whatever. It's hard for me to figure out how to have that conversation because I feel like I get right to the point and I'm very concise about what I think is happening or how I'm feeling. And I'm afraid that could hurt someone's feelings. Because I'm just very direct about it. And I don't... If these people don't even know that they're behaving this way... That can be really shocking and upsetting. And I recognize that. So... It just brings up a lot of feelings in me because... This person... So this past weekend, this person was really... They're very intrusive on me, specifically. And no one else around. And it was like a... I feel like this person just wants to know me better, which is fine, but instead of respecting my boundaries and taking the time to build that relationship where I open up more, it's just these setups to put me in a corner and to like see how I react to things, and it feels orchestrated to get a reaction out of me to un- just to understand me better and I feel victimized and angry because this is a pattern of behavior for this person and not only towards me towards other people as well but in this one instance it was towards me And it's someone that is in my life and that I do care for and admire and want to have a relationship with. And I've known them for a couple years now. And it's, I can't, if it were just a friend, I would just be like, okay, fuck you. You're out of here. Like, I just don't want to spend time with you anymore. But it's more complicated than that. And... I guess I could... It's my boyfriend's mom. It's my boyfriend's mom, so it's... It's complicated. I clearly... Like, she's gonna be around. And I love her. And I love spending time with her. And the whole family, I do. But this makes it really difficult. And it's really been bothering me. Pretty deeply. Because... When it happened, I was just trying to enjoy my night and spend time with people I care care for and enjoy spending time with. And I have I have a guard up all the time. All the time with everyone except for literally two people in my life I can put this guard down for. And I'm in therapy, and I'm 
with these two people. I'm very open about communicate with them pretty openly about you know everything but I want to get to a point where I'm not afraid to just be who I am and more open and vulnerable and just kind of owning it but it seems like every time I give someone an inch they take a fucking mile like this instance I just wanted me and my boyfriend hadn't gone out in a while and I was like, let's just go out. It'll be fun. So we go out, and I'm just trying to drink and listen to music and just hang out and enjoy myself and enjoy time with them. And almost immediately, it turns into... It turns into this prying at me. Sorry, I keep pausing. I'm listening to overhead calls. I'm definitely at work right now. Um, almost immediately once we got there, it turned into what I felt like was just this plot to, I don't know, get me to react, to learn more about me in some way, but it was just so, I fucking hated it. I, I immediately shut down and I couldn't really enjoy the night and I wasn't in a place to leave because I had ridden there with other people that were enjoying themselves. So I just kind of had to sit there and do my best not to react because that's that was the goal. Was to get me to react. So I knew better than that. So I just did my best to not react. But on the inside, I was dying. <laughs> and my boyfriend had no idea this was going on because... It was a very loud place, and, well, he knew, he knew that, um, he knew that she was acting out a little bit, but she was pretty drunk, and, as I said, it's not unusual, but this time, it felt, I felt mega targeted, more than ever, and I'd rather not go into specifics and details just for privacy sake. I just don't, that feels inappropriate at this point, but it was just a bad situation. And then when we got home, it was just me and my boyfriend. And I was like, I have to tell you what your mom did. And you know, she's done stuff before. So he was kind of like, Oh God, I don't, I don't want to know. And we kind of like cringed and laughed. And I told him just a little bit of what was happening and we just like, whatever. This is a conversation we've had before and it was just like, oh, that's so uncomfortable. I can't believe that. I'm so sorry. And then it was kind of over. But I guess I didn't realize that I really needed to like talk about it. So we let it go and that was fine. We were both like, haha, gross, let's go to bed. And then a few days passed and I can't stop thinking about it and I can't, I keep feeling that feeling again of like, I felt like the whole, and this is, this is my paranoia and egocentrism kind of pairing up, but I felt like the whole fucking night was just orchestrated to get a peek into me, and that's not obviously not what happened, but we arrived, and for some reason, these things happened, 
and it was very not okay. And I almost wish I were ignorant to these behaviors so I could just not fucking deal with it. Because I feel like there are literally two people in my life that I can trust not to take advantage of information I give them or to be intrusive and to just overall maintain good boundaries with me. And that's my boyfriend and my best friend. And honestly, I I don't think many people have people in their life like my boyfriend and my best friend. So I'm very thankful for that. But on the other hand, of the other side of that coin is that means everyone else in my life, maybe not my brother. Okay, so three people, but I don't open up to my brother the way I do my boyfriend and my best friend. But he definitely doesn't do these things. So literally everyone else in my life, either A, I don't have the relationship, like we just don't have the rapport where I would open up to them, or... I feel it's been abused in the past and it's just like once that happens I'm kind of out of there I'm kind of shut down from the rest of that relationship because I'm a very private person and I like that about myself I'm okay with that but I'm that way because I've felt violated and intruded on on several occasions throughout my life so I've just decided fuck it I'm just going to be closed off and it you know it's not that way with everyone like my friends I'll be myself around but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm incredibly open and vulnerable with them I'll just I'm not afraid to be myself and relaxed I don't know if I'm making a whole lot of sense right now, but I just wanted to go out and relax and put that guard down and enjoy my night. And I ended up having to put up a much stronger guard. And if I, if I didn't have such a clear vision of unhealthy behaviors and boundaries, then this would be a little bit easier, I think, because I just wouldn't understand what was happening. I'm sure it would still be irritating and frustrating, but I understand what's going on, or at least have some ideas. I don't. I'm not going to pretend I understand the psyche of another person. But I understand what's healthy and unhealthy. And I, f- I feel like I see it very clearly. And it makes it so fucking frustrating. Because it's like, hey, I'm trying to have a relationship with you. So if you could just do me the honor of being a fucking adult 
and respecting things about me and my boundaries and just handling yourself, that'd be great because I'm really trying to like you. And it's just this consistent giving in to these impulsive and compulsive behaviors. Like, I don't want this relationship to exhaust me. I want this to be a good thing in my life because we kind of, we do have a choice about the relationship, but it's pressured that we have one because you're my boyfriend's mom. And I just, and it's not only me. This happens with other people too. Other people in this scenario, other people... Literally everyone in the world probably has something like this. But it's like, I deal deal with these behaviors 40 hours a week from people. And when I go home, I just want to have healthy interactions. So when my friends or my family show these behaviors I just have next to no tolerance for that shit because I have to tolerate it for my job but when I get home I'm fucking done with it so if you're showing it it just it hits me so hard it hits me and it comes out in anger or resentment or being even more of a recluse and more guarded or just totally shutting down and being sad and hurt and violated and it's just it's really frustrating it's really frustrating because I see exactly what you're doing and I'm upset that you're making me deal with it I'm upset that you're not controlling yourself and mind you whether you're in the hospital or outside of the hospital these all stem from similar things similar things from your childhood similar traumas whatever I mean there's the only difference between people inside the hospital and outside the hospital is the fact that some of them are in a hospital so the people that I deal with in my, in my personal life, I, I should have the same amount of empathy I have for patients because it's all the same. It all comes from the same thing. But I just don't. I just don't have the empathy for people in my personal life because it's personal. And maybe I'm taking it out on them. But God damn it. Just get that shit under control. Recognize it. And do something about it. For the love of fucking Christ. <laughs> this makes me so irritated. Because I see, I see me and Jessica, for example. We recognize our, our, our weaknesses and our bad habits. And we bust our ass 
to fix them and to work on them. And we hold each other accountable and we talk very openly about it with each other and we're constantly pursuing improvement. And it just sucks that I don't see that in everyone. And it it pisses me off and it hurts me. And it makes it difficult for me to want to continue a relationship when I'm the victim of those behaviors. I'm in my feelings big time today. I just, it was bothering me so badly that I went home on lunch to talk to my boyfriend about it and that helped a lot because neither of us realized how bad I needed to talk about it but he, he was he's the fucking best so he just listened to me and it was it helped a lot but it just feels like another thing I have to deal with now like now I can't now I have no desire to I love his family so much they're so awesome but this makes me not want to be around them for a while because I just feel like I was so brutally attacked. <laughs> and now I just like why should I why should I spend time with you if that's what's going to happen? There's no if if I'm correct and it's coming from a place of wanting to know me better. I understand that. I 100% understand that. I don't care if you want to get to know me better. But being intrusive and cornering me in front of a large group of people and putting me on the spot and I don't know, that's not the way to do it. Just take time and build a relationship with me. I'm pretty fucked up about it. This is helping too, though. Just talking about it more. And it just sucks, because I feel like I'm always surrounded by these behaviors. I feel trapped. And when I'm at work, I expect it. So when it happens at work, I'm just like, "Eh, here we go. I can handle this. And it's not a big deal, truly. But when I go home, I have that guard down. And when it happens, I just feel even more violated because it's like that's what I fucking get for putting my guard down see if I do that shit again and it makes it hard to heal from things makes it hard to overcome those protective behaviors that kind of interfere with intimacy it's really complicated and the role my job plays in it is, as I said, I see these things so clearly and I'm always on the lookout for them and it's hard to turn that off. So even even when people are being respectful and healthy, I'm still skeptical and I'm just waiting for them to show their true colors, whether, whether they end up showing or not. And I have a part in it. Like, I I clearly need to, and I am, working on that hypervigilance for manipulation and abuse of power or abusive information, that kind of stuff. 
I'm in therapy for those things. Because there's a healthy amount of it, and then there's an amount of it that interferes with just living. And it, and it, it keeps me from being able to connect with people, even my own boyfriend and best friend and family. It's, I have to work, to be honest, not as, not as far as in like telling the truth, but being honest about my feelings and just being open and vulnerable with them. I have to work at that with the people that I trust more than anyone. So to be open and vulnerable with an acquaintance or um, an- another family member or whatever, that's really challenging for me. it doesn't help when something like this happens and I feel like there's no point to try because it's just I'm just right why should I work at being better if I'm just fucking right that people are going to take advantage of it and I know that's not true it's not everyone but goddamn, when it's one person it's when it happens once it's an overwhelming panic for me personally at least because I associate it with a lot of other times that it's happened to me in a much more abusive degree. It just opens up a lot of... a lot of cans of worms, I guess. And then I mull over it forever, and I try to dig into this person's psychological profile, and I don't have any business doing that, but I I just can't... I just... I can't understand... It's funny because if it were a patient, I could totally understand. And I do understand that it comes from their own issues. I totally get that. That's elementary. But I just don't understand why our relationship doesn't mean enough for you to keep it under control. Or to put in some effort to respect my end of the relationship, you know? And it's a good reminder of what my patients' families feel like when they're dealing with the behaviors of my patients. It's just a reality check. But it's also really frustrating because, from my point of view, this is the whole fucking world. Like, everyone, fucking everyone, does this shit. And it's really irritating. Like, can we all just take some responsibility? Can we all please find a therapist? Can we all take some time to self-reflect? It's really frustrating. And I wonder, not often, but I wonder if I left psych, if that would help. Or if I already know too much. <laughs> and this is just how it is now. I don't know. It's easier to be it's easier to be around my patients whose behaviors are ten times worse because they don't know me. And they don't use my personal information against me. That's the difference. 
when it's someone you know, they know how to do it in a way that's really personalized. And it, for me, it just destroys so much trust. And it's really fucking hard for me to build trust with people. And it can be gone just like that. Hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast, probably. One of the purposes of this podcast is to not only inform you about the the reality of a psychiatric hospital and psych work and all those good things, but to also talk to you about how my job impacts my life once I clock out. So sometimes that's positive, sometimes that's negative, sometimes I don't know what the fuck it is, but today I have I have something that you know, it's one of those examples. So this past weekend, I went out for music and drinks with some friends and family. And it had been, it was on a Saturday night. It had been, you know, a week of work. And I had been particularly social already that day. So when it was time to go out and listen to music, I just wanted to sit and watch the band play. We were there with a lot of people, and I didn't know most of them. I was only there for to see a couple of people, but there were very, very many people there. And for privacy's sake and for simplicity's sake, I'm just going to keep the explanations uh, vague. Someone that is essentially a family member um, was very intrusive and... It felt like they were setting things up to to get a reaction out of me and then to see what that reaction was. So at one point they did something and everyone was looking at, at in one direction, but for some reason they were watching me. And when they saw my reaction, they very loudly... Uh, verbalized my reaction and was laughing about it and I was just I felt so exposed I felt like did you just set all this up just to do that to me uh why why were you paying attention to me when everyone was looking over here I don't know it was just a very it was just a very strange situation and this person had been drinking so whatever they have a history of intrusive behavior and it's not it doesn't get better when they drink but this was the worst of it that I've ever experienced. And then um, later on, they made a very inappropriate comment about my boyfriend and I's sex life. And this is, it was just not the person to be making those comments. And it was very uncomfortable for me. And my boyfriend didn't know what was going on. He wasn't paying attention. And it was, I just didn't know, I froze and I was just like, it brought up a lot of things for me. So, I feel like whenever I see these behaviors in people, whether it's a stranger or a friend or a family member, it's really, really, really frustrating for me to separate 
knowing that it comes from the same place that my patients' behaviors come from, which are usually valid places of trauma or neglect or abuse, all those kinds of things. You know, we behave the way we do for a reason, but when it's someone in your personal life, for some reason, that empathy kind of dwindles a little bit. It's a very interesting phenomenon. Maybe, maybe it's I'm just fed up with it, and by the time I'm out, out in the real world with my people, I just, it's easier to take it out on them because I know them, you know? Who knows? It would take some exploring that I'm sure I'll eventually do within myself. But I'm, I'm educated to see these things and recognize what they are and where they come from. And it's just, you know, I have these behaviors too, but I'm aware of them and I work at them actively. And my best friend is also a good example of that. You know, she doesn't work in mental health. So, you know, she understands some of the concepts, but not entirely. But she still continues to really self-reflect very often and work on those things. And it's just, it upsets me whenever other people don't do that because I just don't, I just fucking, I just don't get it. Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to work on yourself. Aside from finding out, you know, it can be really scary to look at those things about you. I get that. So I guess I do understand, but... It's so frustrating as fuck, especially, especially when I become the victim of your behaviors. Because let me tell you something. I'm really patient at work. I can sit there all day and I can be calm through your abusive behaviors and your manipulative behaviors. And I can brush them off and go about it tactfully and therapeutically. But when I clock out and it's someone that knows me, it feels very disrespectful and I understand that it's probably not but there's a there's a weird thing that happens when I clock out and then I face those things outside as just me and not me as a professional just me as a human it's a lot more difficult to put up with those things it's a lot more difficult for me to maintain relationships with those people um I'm not saying I want to maintain relationships with toxic people, but for instance, like in this scenario, when this person is essentially family, it really complicates it. And then, um, like with really close friends, it really complicates it. And then it's messy because it's not, you're not their therapist. It's not your place to bring to light these things. It's... All that I feel I can do is just maintain my boundaries and assert my boundaries and advocate for myself in a form of self-protection. But that doesn't, that doesn't typically, for one, that's exhausting if you keep having to do it, especially with the same person. And two, it's just like I said, a form of your self-protection. You're not really, like, looking that person in the eye and saying, hey, you're being pretty shitty right now. Can you quit that? Like, if it were 
if it were my best friend and she were doing something shitty, I would look her in the eye and I'd say, listen, dude, I don't know what's going on with you, but it's manifesting in a bad way and it's pissing me off. And these are the behaviors I'm seeing. And she would be receptive to it. She'd be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You know, whatever. She'd be receptive to it. But you say that to, you know, anyone else, most people, they're going to get upset and hurt. And that's, I understand that. It's just really difficult. Because I I feel like the common folk, people that don't work in these fields or are, that aren't surrounded by these these behaviors and disorders. You guys, I'm sure you sense these people that have these maladaptive behaviors. You, I'm sure you sense them. If you're in, if you have a relationship with someone that's exhausting, you're walking on eggshells, or you just feel like they're really nosy. Any of those things, they're probably these people, and you just you don't fully understand the depth of what's going on there. Whereas, I have a more educated insight on it. I'm not saying I know everything because I don't. And if I don't get to know the person, then I don't know where it comes from exactly. But I do know exactly what behaviors are healthy and unhealthy. And I can see them clear as fucking day right in front of me. And it's just like, I love you and I really wish you would address this because you're taking this out on everyone around you and it's very exhausting for all of us but you can't just say that to someone you you have to put up with it to a certain degree and that brings me back around to you know just asserting your own boundaries and setting those limits with them and sticking to them and if it's bad enough and they continue, then you have, like, some sort of consequences in place, such as, you know, um, if, if I keep, if, if, uh, this happens every time I go out with you guys, you put me on the spot like that, then I'm just gonna stop going out with you guys, because that's not how I want to spend my night, that's not pleasant for me, so just so you know, that's how you're affecting me, and that's what's gonna happen if you keep putting me on the spot and being intrusive and inappropriate. So you can do those things, but it's just you're still having to work at the relationship and it's not it's not like you're both working at it you're working to protect yourself in the relationship and it's so fucking exhausting and when it is a complicated relationship like that it's more difficult to get out of and it's not that you should run to get out of it for instance this person in particular that I was having the issues with I love them. They are very nice to me, very kind, very generous. And they're they're intelligent, they're they're wise. I look up to them in a lot of ways. I want to be around them. I want to have a relationship with them. Um it's someone that at this point in time I intend on having in my life for until one of us dies maybe. And when you want the relationship but it's not not so healthy that adds to the pain of it the pain of having to keep you're the one trudging to keep it healthy you're the one on guard all those things 
And let me fucking tell you something. Every waking moment of my life and every waking moment of me waking up in the middle of the night because of my shitty sleep, I'm on guard. I have a perpetual state of paranoia that people are are coming at me with bad intentions, selfish intentions, um, whether that be just to get information on me or to, like, physically harm me. And then that, that, that hypervigilant vigilance comes from my own trauma, my own bad experiences, my own failure at recognizing red flags and addressing them in time and it leading to you know, more abusive situations. So, I'm on high alert all the time because of my own issues and because my job requires it. And at this point, it has become a reflex and like an instinct. And it does me some good. It does me good at work, but it makes it difficult to function in the world sometimes, um, it's, it's, this last weekend was particularly hurtful because I wasn't, I had relaxed, I was really looking forward to going out, I was ready to have a couple drinks, I had spent the day with friends, I was feeling really comfortable in my skin, and I was able to let my hair down and just be myself and have fun and enjoy myself. And I was ready to continue that on into the night. And then after I had put my guard down, which is very, very difficult for me to do. And it's hard for me to get in that flow state, if you will. Then I was very blatantly violated and... I swear to God, the the whole situation was orchestrated to see my reaction because I feel like this person genuinely wants to know me better, but I am a guarded person. So instead of taking the time and the respect to build that trust and form that relationship, they're deciding to just be intrusive and get what they want on their time in whatever way it takes. So, from my opinion, I the situation was set up so that they could it was the situation was based around um a political thing. So, whenever they saw my reaction, they it told them my political views or so they think. Um I cringed at the situation, but this I don't think I was cringing at the political content I was cringing at the whole situation it was just very uncomfortable for not only me but also my boyfriend we talked about how how weird of a situation it was but anyway it felt like they had done it just so they could get see what my reaction was and to find out at least how I feel about the current political climate or whatever And that is the last fucking thing I wanted to get into that night. I don't like to talk about politics with literally anyone because it's all a shit show and it's not worth the cortisol being released into my system. It's just not fucking worth it to me. 
and then the the comment about my boyfriend and I's sex life that was just intrusive for nearly anyone but especially this person and it just I had put my guard down and look what fucking happened I was caught off guard I was totally put on the spot in front of dozens of people that I didn't know I was immediately super uncomfortable I wanted to go home my fun night was over and it was just all because of this one person and these two actions that all this progress I had made and whatever and all this all the um all the time and preparation it took for me to become that relaxed and that comfortable in my environment was just shat all over and part of me is like why the fuck should I work on being more trusting and open and vulnerable just in my day-to-day life if this is the shit that's going to happen when it ha- when I do that it just reinforced all my fears it reinforced my paranoia which is the last fucking thing I need I talked I talked to my therapist about it and that helped I talked to my boyfriend about it because it was eating me alive it was someone in his family so I needed to talk to him about it it was just fucking crazy and I just it would be nice if I I love my my field I love my practice I'm obsessed with human behavior and why people do the things they they do and especially when it's fucked up I love that shit but on times in times like this I really wonder if I just didn't know the uh the causes and the depth behind it would I be able to go through life less worried about these things less worried about um being afraid that people are intruding on me for nefarious reasons or what have you and it it's a double-sided coin because on on one side I love it and it I'm I'm more street smart because of it you know I'm not I wasn't fucking raised in the streets or anything like that but I I see these things and I'm just like okay well that's what's going on here and it's I fucking love it because I I have this really cool view on the world all because of my job and my field and it's almost like a superpower and but then then I can't I can't interact with people in my personal life genuinely because I always have those those glasses on where I'm trying to see the the um motivations behind certain behaviors even if someone's nice to me like what's what's your angle here are you trying to build trust so that you can xyz and don't even get me started on trying to date people luckily I've been with my boyfriend for over two years now so nearly all of those issues are way past us we are way past it but when it when I first started out it was things like um hey do you want to go for a hike I don't know are you gonna murder me and leave me in the woods hey here's some cheesecake I got it for you because I care about you. Um, or did you bring this cheesecake 
so you could poison me and kill me. These are real fucking thoughts I had. These are real things that went through my mind that felt very real and felt very plausible. And that's kind of how I am with everyone. It's it's worse with people such as boyfriends because, you know, you're you're going to be very intimate with those people. But even with friends and family, these interactions I have, I can't look at them in a light where it just is what it is. I have to dig into it and I have to ponder what the real motivation is or what... What malady? Sorry if that cut off. Someone called me, so apologies. But I'm gonna wrap this shit up. In summation, because of this view that I have on the world and into the human psyche, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it helps me really do my job very well. It helps me handle situations really well in the real world when it could be dangerous or it looks dangerous, but it's actually okay like it's very very helpful it's a skill it's a true skill but it also has its downside where I clock out and I go home and I spend time with people that I love and I can't shake the need to know or I can't shake the deeper understanding that interferes with me just seeing these people as people without judging them without you know digging into their life story that I'm that that I have no business of pondering on I just it's really difficult and it it causes a lot of internal conflict with myself of hey you're 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 doing it right now you're trying to analyze this person you're trying to see where these behaviors are coming from well maybe you should just be present in the moment and interact with them and not be so judgmental and presumptuous but it's just not that easy sometimes and it's very difficult it's this constant struggle (sighs) but I'm working on it I go to therapy I talk openly about it I practice my boundaries I do what I can so this is just where I'm at and this is something I'm dealing with and that I will deal with and will hopefully overcome. But until then, I might as well talk about it with you guys and help you understand me a little better. Whatever. I hope you enjoyed my rambling today. I will see you guys next time. Have fun, be safe, and do drugs responsibly. Goodbye.